0: Well, Hello, White Sox fans. How you guys doing tonight? Glad to see uh, we got Dario here from Brazil. Good to see you, buddy. Uh, my name is Ian Eskridge, and I will be your host for the evening for uh, a little while. As you can see, uh, I am here with my co-host, Xavier Sanchez. How you doing, Xavier?
1: I'm doing great.
0: Good to hear. Uh, as you guys can see, uh, we are running one light tonight. Uh, Danny's a little under the weather so he decided to uh, take the evening to himself and uh, rest up so uh, we wish you well Danny hope you're doing all right um, yeah so uh, still no no movement on the uh, labor front surprise surprise um, I assume that you are as shocked as I am Xavier about the uh, the still ongoing labor issues. Um, I, am sure you're shocked. Yes. Very. <laughs> um, did you happen to, uh, catch that, uh, Oh, there's Danny in the chat. How you doing, Danny? Good to see you, buddy. Um, did you happen to catch that, uh, Max Scherzer interview, uh, in the LA times? Not. So, oh. uh, essentially, you know, he's, uh, one of the, uh, player reps, Uh, along with Lucas Giolito, and there's somebody else. I forget who the other guy is, Uh, but there are uh, three main guys, I guess, that are uh, the labor guys for the uh, player reps, anywho. And, um, hmm, you're off center. I'll have to sort that out. Um, So he had an interview with with a guy at the LA Times, more or less, and uh, just – laying it all out there um and talking about how absurd uh this whole thing is and that he thinks that it's pretty much a you know a, a foregone conclusion that this is going to be a you know quite uh quite the uh quite the row that they're going to have here um among his issues uh being uh, obviously uh tanking is one of the major things that he is uh That he's upset about and uh says that uh kind of undermines uh the whole uh free agency thing um and uh yeah i don't know man this uh i don't think that uh I, i just saw something come across the line tonight that said within uh two weeks here that the owners are going to be um presenting the players with an outline for their uh the basis of of their uh their plan um i i can only imagine where this is going to go and uh and how one-sided that this deal is probably going to end up looking when uh when we see it um but yeah i'm just uh i'm i'm not fed up with it at this point because uh, we haven't really heard anything about arguments at to, at to this point. But uh, I'm kind of tired of not hearing any any movement at all.
1: How are you feeling yeah, about I, it? I, I, yeah, I'm surprised. Uh, I guess I'm not that surprised. Like these last few weeks, maybe with the holidays, that it's a little quiet. But when it comes down to them going on back and forth, I wonder like how much of it will be uh, publicized and who. Who brings it to the public and and shares that everything with us? Obviously, so far we got a Mech Scherzer interview, but how much of it's going to be kept quiet? And uh, you're you saying the the thing being one sided when it comes down to it. I I wonder how soon. You know, I'm not familiar with the '94 strike, but I I just feel with this era of like people in general. Uh, just as much as then, but they, they I don't think they're gonna cracks as easily. like I think they'll they'll push really hard. I, I, as much as they want to play the game and be out there, they, they want what's there. so uh, unless a good portion of their requests are at least maybe not met fully but pretty close, then I don't see them budging on s- anytime soon.
0: Yeah, I think it's going to be. Uh, we're going to run into uh, some sort of a. I, I think that the initial plan is probably going to come out, and I would not be surprised if, uh, as soon as they handed them the plan and they took a few minutes to look over it, we hear about uh, the players' association walking out. Uh, fairly, you know, fairly quickly because I don't. I don't think that they're going to look at the initial offer. And say, oh yeah, this looks this looks halfway decent. We're almost there. I think it's going to be one of those things where they're just going to look at it and they're going to be like, yeah, nope, 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 and uh, it's going to end up getting pushed back uh, quite a bit. You know, we're going to end up uh, probably with I don't know at least uh, a few days in between the uh, the initial offer and the fireback from the players is, is my guess. Um, to bring up the thing. Uh, has anyone else heard that they aren't even scheduled to meet for another week or two? Yeah, it's just I just brought that up, Danny. Um, I just saw something come up that uh, two weeks uh, within the next two weeks that the owners are going to bring their first uh, their first proposal to the players within the next two weeks. I think that sometime next week you'll probably end up seeing it. Um, but uh, to to bring you up to speed a little bit on the. Uh, on the 94 strike, um, it was a lot of the same issues. And, uh, there's really not anything, uh, from this argument. It's pretty much all the exact same stuff. Um, one thing that, uh, the, the players did manage to do in 94 was, um, Kind of stick together uh, a lot better than the owners did. Um, they call them uh, "quote unquote" wedge issues, and um, what uh, each side of the aisle is trying to do here is trying to put some sort of a wedge in between uh, one, gr- you know, uh, one subgroup of that half of the t- that half of the table. And the other half of the table, and uh, one of the things that was a, a big deal in '94 was the um, revenue sharing, and uh, the fact that you have small markets and large markets, and uh, the thing that they were that the owners had a lot of a pro- you know a lot of problems with in '94 was that they were having a hard time coming to an agreement within within their group uh by themselves and um i could see that becoming a, an issue uh this time as well because you have uh just just like now you have uh, small market mid market and large market and generally the mid market are uh, like kind of lean a little bit more towards the uh the the larger side of things um but then you have your teams like uh you know, the, uh, the pirates and such that are, I mean, real, I mean, let's be honest here. Uh, the pirates right now, uh, their payroll, I don't even remember what their payroll is, but it's something like $24 million or something like that. And, um, they're always crying poor. They never spend any money. And, uh, you know, they're getting, uh, they're getting revenue sharing from these, from these larger teams, yep. Uh, for not doing any of the work, essentially, because they're not fielding a good team, they're not spending any money, uh, they're not, uh, you know, they're getting all this uh, the revenue sharing from uh, from the the TV dollars, yet they're not part of any of those, uh, you know, they're not part of any of those games at all, uh, so. You know, essentially, they're just getting handed free money for things that other teams are doing.
1: And uh, what's that? uh, That reminds me, I I took a class in college that had to do with like uh, poor countries and like developed and undeveloped country, and uh, like the U.S. They'll give money to various uh, things, but none of those countries ever. They'll do. They'll try to improve they'll always stay up under that line so they still continue to get these large chunks of money similar in this case with the pirates obviously they might be doing a little hair there to make it on the outside look like they're doing something but in reality they definitely aren't doing enough to finally break through
0: yeah at this point Uh, I mean, the fact that they now have, uh, at least in my eyes, when when I look at this, uh, they are at least making a concerted effort to actually make the franchise better. Uh, I think with the hiring of uh, Charrington, um, that they definitely have someone at the reins that can actually, um, you know, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, Uh, assess talent and uh, put a proper value on talent and uh, is, is getting decent returns when he's making trades. Now, you know, you can look at this, you know, one of two ways. Uh, one of the issues that the White Sox have run into um, is that a lot of their international talent that they've been signing uh, has been older, and uh, the, the younger talent that they have signed, it hasn't really – a, mo- a, a lot of the guys anyway. I mean, we've got – don't get me wrong. There are some guys that are, that are taking steps. But, I mean, you've got a lot of the younger guys that just are falling flat on their faces. On the other side, you know, that's what other GMs are, have generally been looking for over the last few years is cheaper, young uh, international talent and uh the White Sox just haven't had a whole lot of that as as prospect uh trade capital, so that doesn't help things but it seems that uh that Charrington has done a fairly decent job at that and if you look at their last couple of drafts they've drafted a couple of decent uh a couple of decent younger guys um got Henry Davis uh catcher out of Louisville last year in the first round um you know they they're amassing some some decent talent over there and um I feel like they're kind of making at least a concerted effort to make it to at least make the the team better in the short term um, you know in the foreseeable future um, but again yes they are not spending money and um, you know they're reaping the benefits from this so the players have a problem with that obviously because they're not spending any money and the you know, the free agents aren't getting any money from these teams. So they're aggravated. And, uh, you know, they're trying to raise the salary floor. Now, obviously, the the teams that don't want to spend any money are not going to be happy about the salary floor. And uh, most of the larger market teams are obviously okay with doing that, you know, because they're already spending, you know, you look at the Mets, you know, their payroll's already like what, like $250 million or something. So, you know, what do they care? What if the salary floor is raised up to a hundred million dollars or not? You know, or or set at a hundred million dollars? Um,
1: so obviously, they're not going to care about that. So you got to think. I know this has been uh, in the making for some some years now. We saw this was going to happen uh, between the owners and the players, but I I feel like the pandemic and all the stuff around the virus, coronavirus, and COVID. Uh, made it worse, because now they're saying, they said they didn't have the money then, now they're saying they have even less, and now they're they're trying to use that to yeah. help their arguments, when in reality it's not as much as they think so.
0: Yeah, the, the, uh, my whole thought on on that thing is that you know, with them crying poor, uh, what was that, uh, biblical losses that, uh, they were saying on the other side of town that they had biblical losses. Well, first off they renovated the entire neighborhood because they bought the whole neighborhood. So they spent, you know, ridiculous amounts of money buying all the property right around, around the stadium up there, up North. And, uh, so they lost that money. But I mean, re- in reality, that's, it's just an investment that eventually will pay money back, but it is money out of pocket. Um, but again, in, instead of making, you know, eight hundred million dollars in profits for the year, if you only make four hundred and fifty million dollars or five hundred million dollars in profits, you're not losing three hundred million dollars. You know, you're just not getting the projected revenue. Projected. Exactly. So you're not losing money. I don't buy for one second that. Them not having to pay hardly any employees up there at any or at any of the stadiums, plus making the TV contracts and all that stuff. I don't buy for one second that they're not making ridiculous amounts of money anyway. But you know that's what that's what we're looking at here, and um, yeah. So I'm the
1: same same boat they they definitely are making money obviously probably not close to the projections but to say that you're losing money that's cool and even if you were to lose money like which i don't think happened uh it would be like one year like they're they've consistently grown so what's the one year hit when you know things normalize? you're just going to continue to grow because obviously sports to so many is still such a big deal.
0: Yeah, I think that they said that the the amount of money made last year uh, versus uh, – I'm trying to remember exactly what the dates were that they said on it, but uh, I think it was like five years ago or something like that. But, I mean, essentially they're making about 35% more money every year. Uh, or at least last year, they made like 35% more than they made five years ago. And um, yet the players' salaries have gone up like 6 or 7% or something, something along those lines. So I understand the players getting aggravated and saying, hey, well, you guys are making so much more money, yet, to quote uh, Max Scherzer, is that... You know, it used to be that the teams would play or would, would pay for past production, and that uh, a guy coming into his free agency contract would expect to get a significant raise for the work that he had already done. But now, after. Uh, you know the use of analytics and and there just being a, a general uh, shift in the way that GMs are thinking. They no longer want to pay for past production. They want to pay for what's to come. Which, you know, uh, you know when I look at it, that makes complete and total sense. Uh, however, um, the players are sitting on the outside because they still have the same. Uh, free agency needs that need to be met uh, conditions that need to be met. But yet now when they come out of their free agency later, the teams aren't wanting to pay the same that they did before, because this isn't the steroid era anymore. So guys aren't playing until they're 44 or 45 and putting up ridiculous production for an additional like eight years onto their career. So, you know, now they're, they're complaining that you can't have your cake and eat it too, is that you don't want to pay us for the past, but now because you guys have us for so long, now that when we finally do get out for free agency, you're saying that we're not going to produce as much. So we're not getting paid on the front end, and now we're also not getting paid on the back end. So that's, that's part of the issue there. And... Um, Let's see what uh, Danny says here in the chat. Not to mention that if this work stoppage continues into the season at all, the projected revenue could potentially go into the tank tenfold with the amount of disinterested fans they could create. I mean, we saw that in 94. There's still, I mean, we've talked about this before, is that there are still a bunch of people that left, uh, uh, you know, during the strike in 94 and never came back. So- now,
1: when that happened... Was it more... Did you see more of your pairs? Were they mad at the owners or the players at the time? Or was it a combination? Because I, right yeah. now, I see a little bit of a combination, but I also see a lot of people complaining about the players, which is goofy to me. I know it's millionaires versus billionaires, but the but players... are, it's not,
0: though. Are, you know? Yeah,
1: and that's the thing. It's not... The players are a lot closer to you and I just because... We're all everyday people. We work hard, and we don't always see the dividends that we think we deserve. Same thing with these guys. They're putting in endless hours, uh, contributing to the bigger goals of the company or team, and they obviously want enough of a fair share, and they're not getting it. And I keep seeing, how they're like, oh my god, these greedy uh, players <laughs> If they just accept it, we could be going on with this already. But that, I think, is far from what should be happening.
0: Yeah, uh, the, m- my issue with this with this whole thing is is that you've got a large portion of people that are just okay with telling somebody else what they should accept for what they do for work. You know, they should accept whatever wage is just handed their way. And it drives me nuts. You know, I, you are – essentially, you're saying that ownership – should take ninety-five percent of the profits because essentially that's what's going on here is that they're taking ninety percent of the profits. And the thing, the the argument of billionaires versus millionaires. Last year on uh, starting lineups in uh, in twenty twenty one to begin the season, uh, the top ten percent of players made fifty percent of payroll. So, what about the other ninety percent? You know, so if you've got ten percent of the player pool making fifty percent of that money, that leaves fifty percent of the player pool or the of the money pool for ninety percent of the players. And clearly, you know that doesn't uh, that doesn't bode well for the whole billionaires versus millionaires argument, especially with uh, minimum salary being you know around five hundred and sixty thousand dollars a year. Now, obviously, you know if you know, if these guys knew how to manage their money and they just saved up, they'd all be millionaires. Um, but the the fact of the matter is, is that people have expenses. People buy houses. People want to buy cars. They want to do whatever they want to do. And I get that. Um, but regardless, you know, we're still looking at such a, a massive gap in how much more money is being generated and no really no additional money is uh, going the, the players way uh, Danny says I can't speak for anyone outside of Chicago but I know the blame amongst the Sox fans leaned heavily towards the owners well I mean you know I mean if you look on social media you'll see plenty of people that are uh, you know still that that are pro pro ownership uh, which I do you know, as I detail those those facts about the the dollars that are being generated now, and that the fact that the profits are going up thirty percent, yet only you know six percent, seven percent more is going to the players from the same time period. Um, it just doesn't uh, it doesn't translate. That's not uh, that's not so good. You know, I would not be happy, and uh, especially now, where you see that the balances are kind of tipping in the way, uh, in the direction of the working class, uh, as far as um, wages going up. Now, you know whether it's harder to find a job or whether they hire anybody at these rates or whatever that I can't say. I mean, I haven't done anything in, in, uh, research in that field, you know, on that side of things, but obviously workers are not happy with the way that, their jobs have gone, so they've left their jobs. And we've had, a, uh, a over the last uh, year and a half, we've had a record amount of people leaving their jobs uh, across the United States. Yet, you go on social media and you have these people telling baseball players that they should just shut up and sign the contract and, and hop back onto the field because they missed their baseball. So they're perfectly happy telling somebody else what they should accept for their wages, yet when they go to work, they're not happy with their wages. And of course, that they you know they look at the disparity there between what the CEOs make and what they make, and they're not happy about it either. So that whole uh, that whole argument just kind of drives me up a wall. Um, to move things along here. Um, so one of the things that uh, Max Scherzer brought up in that interview was that, uh, and he he uh, name checked Chris Bryant uh, in particular, um, saying that uh, you know that his service time was held uh, so they could get that extra year of control, and um, that that's not right either the team shouldn't be allowed to manipulate the service time. So that way they get that extra year so they can uh, still be bad and then trade them, which is what ended up happening in that seventh year. But uh, same with uh, Javi Baez and Anthony Rizzo, they all got traded. Um, Well, actually I guess Anthony Rizzo did end up getting extended because he was the first one there, but that's besides the point. Um, uh, One of the things that he brought up was the – fact that teams have been doing uh, extensions with younger players in order to control them longer, pay them more up front, but so that way they get uh, a little bit more production on the back end, paying less. So ultimately, these players are making less. And that that is not the way things should be going. So... um. As we know, the White Sox, over the last few years, uh, since uh, 2017, uh, have been in the business of doing just that with their players. And uh, it started in 2000. spring training of uh, 2017. The White Sox extended Tim Anderson uh, for a six-year, $25 million extension. Now, uh, a few weeks ago, Danny asked me if... With the way things are going, and if they're not going to spend money to upgrade uh, certain positions that are definitely lacking at this point, i.e. right field and second base, was it really worth it to sign these guys to these extensions? And that's one thing I I wanted to bring up here today. And, um... First, before we move on, do you have any thoughts on the uh on the labor thing? Uh now that we're on the uh on the way out of there.
1: No, not exactly. I, I'm interested, I know not just Chris Bryant, but I think the same applied to um the the Braves players down there. I think their contract's set up the same there too.
0: Yeah, Ozzie Albies and uh, Cunha, yep. And then when you look at uh Ozzie Albies and what he what he's getting paid. Um, he said that he wanted to stay with the franchise for his whole career and that he wanted to play with his friend, Ronald Acuna. And so he signed for what they offered. And if you just look at the, the numbers on that contract, I mean, it's just, uh, I mean, it's, it's he's getting robbed. Um, like If he would have just taken, if he would have just said, Ah, heck with that. I'm not going to sign an extension. Let's just let it ride. Whatever happens, happens. And gone to arbitration. Guy would uh, certainly be in uh, in line for a much, uh, much, much bigger amount of money. Um, Just in arbitration. Even if he didn't want to fight the arbitration number. Even if he said, you know what? We'll go to arbitration, whatever uh, the estimated amount is. Let's just go ahead, and and I'll take a little bit less than that. Whatever. Even if he would have done that, he would have made more money than he's going to make now. But, uh, yeah. Um, so, um, I wanted to uh, go ahead and uh, look at Tim Anderson's contract here. And... Um, Look at some of some of the. I, I just put a couple of basic numbers up on here uh, to rank year by year, season by season, and look at his production and what he's being paid. And I have a couple of uh, comparables uh, for um, arbitration salaries, and I kind of wanted to look. at mean, I did it for Tim Anderson because. Realistically, if we're looking at the guys with the White Sox who have gotten the extensions, you're looking at uh, Moncada, Bummer, uh, Jimenez, uh, and Robert, and T.A. And um, we don't really have uh, enough of a uh, set of data points for Eloy and Luis Robert, um, bummer to a lesser extent. I mean, he's a reliever, so I mean, that whole thing's kind of that that whole the whole reliever market's pretty volatile in general. So I didn't want to base anything upon that. I just I wanted to look at these numbers and see if. Now this is this is in a vacuum, just for uh, TA. I'm not addressing the question that Danny asked, with which was, you know, whether it was worth it for the team to even bother signing them to these contracts if they weren't going to spend the money. But I, I just wanted to look at in a vacuum whether the contract that they signed him to, whether it's worth it to the team that they did it. And, uh, I'll go ahead and, uh, bring that up, uh, now. Um, so, uh, on the screen here, uh, for those of you that are listening in podcast form, we have uh, a graphic that's got, uh, basically Tim Anderson's, uh, salary since 2017. And it goes through, uh, the two options that the White Sox have, uh, in 2023 and 2024. And, uh, it's got his, uh, Fangraph's F-War, his WRC Plus, and his OPS Plus per uh, by, by year. And uh, I just wanted to go ahead and take a look at these numbers. Um, the White Sox signed him to that six-year $25 million extension in 2017. Um, in 2017, he rewarded them with a .1 F-War a below average 98 WRC plus and a below average 81 OPS plus. Uh, so those are weighted to 100. So uh, the WRC plus is a little bit closer to 100 and the OPS is 19% below average for the position and uh, the league that he plays in and division that he plays in. So uh, he made eight hundred and fifty thousand dollars that year. So that was the first year of that contract extension. So at the in two thousand seventeen, it was what uh, one year after the uh, last agreement. So it was still uh, still five hundred and sixty thousand dollars. It was you know five hundred and sixty some odd thousand dollars for that year. So uh, for that year, you're looking at he got himself a uh, a three hundred thousand dollar pay bump for that year and uh so obviously if you were to go by uh whether it would be worth it for that year for that particular year obviously it would not be worth uh, a $300,000 pay bump to produce uh essentially 1.9 fangraph war below a replacement player um for that season um now the next year, in 2018, he uh, bumped his stats up to a 2.0 f F4, uh, 85 WRC plus, which is a reduction, but his OPS plus did manage to go up to an 87. Which, how that, uh, how exactly that works, I'd have to look through the formula. I forget the, I forget the formula for uh, WRC plus. Um, it's one of those uh, nice complicated ones, um, but. Uh, So, again, you know, offensively, he's producing pretty far below an average player. Um, He did manage to uh, slightly improve defensively, so his war went up a little bit, Um, hit a few more home runs, war goes up a little bit. Uh, So, 2019, we know what happens in 2019. We have batting champion Tim Anderson. Uh, For the batting champion, Tim Anderson, the White Sox paid him $1.4 million. And that would have been the last year, uh, that would have been pre-arbitration still, I believe, if I remember correctly. Uh, The 2019 would have been his last season pre-arbitration. So essentially, they pay him $1.4 million, which is... A nice, you know, like a nice additional amount of money up front for him. But then he goes out and produces a 3.4 F4 with a 128 WRC plus and a 128 OPS plus. Um, We saw the 2019 Tim Anderson season. It was fantastic. He uh, trimmed the fat off of a lot of stuff and obviously... You saw his contact rate went up, his OPS went up a lot. You know he's got uh, nice slugging numbers, and uh, he was taking what was given to him. You know, and he'll slap a single the other way. Ends up winning him the batting title. Um, so again, that season could have been five hundred and sixty thousand dollars. Um, so you're essentially paying nine hundred thousand dollars more than technically you should. Well, I guess eight hundred fifty million more. Or eight hundred fifty thousand more than you would have had to have paid him. Uh, now, generally, in the first year of arbitration, uh, the player, unless you know you're looking at an MVP, uh, you know, a la Chris Bryant type of thing, you know, when you come to your first uh, year of arbitration, um, I'd say four million is uh, a f- a pretty pretty decent and, uh, and normal thing. Um, I'm trying to think, uh, who it is. I think it's, uh, Raphael, uh, yeah, Raphael Devers, uh, first year of arbitration was four and a half million dollars. Um, you know, and he put up some monster numbers. Um, so I think $4 million was a, a you know, despite the, uh, 2020, you know, COVID thing and them prorating salaries and whatever, uh, I think four million was uh, probably for a first year of arbitration. I would say is is probably uh, maybe a little bit light, but maybe not a lot. Um, so I'd say it's pretty fair. So I don't know if they lost or gained anything on that year. And uh, as far as mon- monetary. Um, but he, you know in that 60game season, he still put up a 2.1 F4 with 141 WRC plus and 140 OPS plus. And we saw that his fielding was uh, vastly improved, uh, still made some throwing errors, still had some, uh, still had some of those things where he spun out in, uh, out in shallow center field and launched it up into the seats. But he did improve quite a bit. Uh, so that's 4 million. Uh, in 2021, $7.25 million. So I'd say that that's a fair, uh, that, that's a, a pretty decent raise for uh, his salary. However, um, I think it's probably still, I'd say that it's probably a little bit light after uh, two years of uh, nice production like that. Uh, so I'm thinking like he'd probably be more in the $10 million, uh, $11 million area. Would be my guess on that second uh, that second year of arbitration, uh, but he posted a 4.3 f war last year with a 120 WRC plus and a 118 OPS plus. So that brings me to 2022. This would be his final year of arbitration, and the White Sox are going to get uh, Tim Anderson at a rate of 9.5 million dollars. Now. I bring out the uh, the little sheet that I got here. Um, final year of arbitration. Uh, Carlos Correa eleven point seven million. Javi Baez eleven point six five. Corey Seager thirteen point seven five. Francisco Lindor twenty two point three. Uh, Arb two for Trey Turner thirteen million, and he's still got his uh, arbitration hearing coming up for uh, his final year of arbitration here. Um so essentially uh I ha I mean say you know there there are people that argue for and against Tim Anderson being like a top five shortstop. I happen to think that uh he's certainly talented. Um I mean is he better than uh than Trey Turner? No. Um there there are plenty of guys that are uh better than he is. However, um I'm thinking probably more along the lines of uh fourteen million dollars fifteen million dollars a year, probably um, for Tim Anderson in uh, arbitration is my guess after three years of you know those numbers that he's put up over the last three years so um for Tim Anderson, yes, I'd say that it was this it was obviously worth it now and then that's just for the past production, the first couple of years. Whatever, you know, you knew you're gonna, you knew what the team was. You knew that he was gonna have growing pains. He had those growing pains. He improved. Now he's what you're paying for. You're, you're, he's way overperforming his contract. So now, next year, 12.5 and then 2024, 14 million. If he continues, to produce the numbers that he's been been producing pretty consistently somewhere uh, in the three-and-a-half war era, you know, area. I mean, you're looking at like uh, $19, 20000000 million more than likely a season that you would have to pay somebody to come here and play. So I'd say that uh, the Tim Anderson contract was uh, quite the bargain for uh, Jerry and company, what say you, Xavier?
1: I think I talked about it a little bit before with how I'm okay with uh, a team taking a couple of these where they lock them in early because uh, we saw with the Cubs when it came time to wanting to pay these guys, they were, they weren't going to pay the new uh, larger months. They were they should be paid here we're coming up to a, t- a crucial time in the rebuild where uh we, we got to be winning we got to get the world series on and if they they have enough holes that they got to fix luckily they got some guys already locked in for not a crazy amount of money so it relieves some of that stress
0: yeah i think uh, another thing with the, the that could be brought up with the cubs is that uh you know they there there was talk with uh, Javi Baez about uh, extending him. And I think part of the problem was is that a lot of the, you know, a lot of the warts in his game started to show in those last couple of years leading up to the end of his contract. So I, I think that that obviously played a, a pretty big part. Had he continued, yeah, you know, to, mm-hmm. you know, have a a fairly decent, uh, you know, OPS and uh not strike out, you know, 250 times and uh you know just not get on base a lot either. Yeah, um you know, not get on base and also not accept uh not accept what they're giving you and trying to, you know, corkscrew yourself into the ground trying to hit home You know, if if he had uh showed, you know, a little bit more patience, I think that uh you know, they probably would have been a little bit more willing to, uh, to to make a deal with him. And unfortunately, you know, like for him, it didn't work out. Uh, now, the Chris Bryant thing, you know, he didn't maintain that uh, continuous uh, MVP uh, every year streak, you know. So, uh, you know, depending on who you believe, I've heard that he got offered a contract in 200 200 area. I heard that he didn't get offered a contract at all, um, from other people that, uh, you know, on other podcasts here in Chicago. Um, and, uh, I, yeah, that one, that one's a little bit, a little bit harder to figure, but I think at that point, I think the, uh, the Cubs knew that they were pretty, pretty much cooked and needed to, um, start over from the ground up. So, um, now, like I said, we don't have enough data points to um, to really judge anybody else that's gotten these contract extensions uh, of the younger guys. In um, uh, you know, we got the the bummer, uh, the Aloy, the Luis Robert and Mancata, and um, the Moncada one. Um, I do have uh, a little bit on that one as well. Um, is that uh, you know, like I like I mentioned earlier, that uh, Devers got four and a half million in his first arbitration case uh, in the first season that Mankata would have been arbitration eligible. Uh, the White Sox paid him six million. So they paid him one and a half million dollars more than Devers ended up getting an ARB. And then for uh, arbitration two, which Devers is going for this year uh, it's estimated that he's at 11.1. And uh, the second year of uh, Johan's ARB, he ended up getting 13 million. So it's a little bit over what Devers got. And, uh, you know, you, you're getting more power out of Devers than you're getting out of Mankata. Uh, you get more home runs out of him, more production that way. Um, but they're different players. I'm not going to sit here and uh, rant about Yoan not hitting enough home runs, yada, yada. You know, we've seen enough of that on social media. Um, this is a uh, pro Yoan Mankata um, stream. Yeah. So... Dream. Yeah, so I, I mean, I can't, uh, I I can't make a yay or nay for whether it was worth it with uh, for Mankata because it seems like the numbers are pretty consistent with what Devers is getting at third base in Boston. So I can't really say that uh, you know they're overpaying for Yuan. I mean, it's you know, uh, I. In my opinion you know uh, as far as baseball salaries go you know one million dollars two million dollars one way or the other to me is uh, doesn't you know in the grand scheme of things for a baseball team as far as I'm concerned is if somebody wants an extra two million dollars a year I don't see what the issue is you know if that's gonna if that's gonna hold up a deal I don't see what the issue is. So you know I can't say that uh, him making a little bit more than Raphael Devers, is, uh, you know, a winning or losing proposition one way or the other. I mean, to me, it, it's like, uh, not much, you know, it'd be, it'd be one thing, you know, if, you know, uh, Yoan had like, a uh, 85 OPS plus and, uh, and he was getting paid what he's getting paid, but he's, but he's not. So, I mean, 2020 was whatever, you know, we know about the COVID thing and all that stuff, but, uh, You know, I don't. It's just my, uh, just my two cents. Uh, What do you think about the? uh, What do you think about these extensions? Do you think that uh, it's worth it?
1: Uh, yeah. I'm always. I think I'm for all of them right now. Yes, I know. I know that like we're still waiting on some of the production throughout these uh, contracts, but. I just I'm on the side where I think it's less headaches. If we if there's enough with some of these guys that you that we truly believe in and they're a lot like you see the talent in a lot of these guys and they display it. Now we just need to see it on uh not for short periods but over like more long lasting through the season instead of just random spurts. Um it creates less headaches for a team down the line. I'm all for it. I just think Right now, we see how, with this uh, lockout that the White Sox have quite a few things they got to answer to and figure out the rest of the roster. And if all of these positions were open and there's question marks there, I don't know if we would still be in the boat of this is a World Series team.
0: Yeah, I you know I kind of um, I kind of lean in the. Direction of the players on this whole thing, um, I think that it's a, you know, you're you're looking at uh, they know that they're looking at their guys who they envision being the core of their team. You know, when the when you look at these guys, I mean, bummer. I think the whole bummer thing was, uh, you know, uh, not that it's a that it's a bad contract at all. It's not. Uh, and they they had faith in him to uh, become uh, a monster out there, which you know I mean, despite some bad luck last year with the the, the Babbitt monster, uh, he did you know pretty pretty decent last year overall. Anyway, despite the fact that uh, you know you could complain about the shift or you know defensive placement or whatever, but um, you know despite that, he still put up a, a fairly decent season and. Um, I don't know. I don't have any problem with, uh, with any of these contracts, really. Um, you see that the talent's there, you see that, uh, the potential is definitely there. And, um, these contracts, what they're paying yearly to these guys, uh, even at the ends of these contracts, I mean, I I think that, uh, I want to say, Yohan and Luis Roberts are in the twenty-five million-dollar area on their, uh, um, on their uh, option years on the end. Um, at that point, it might be it might be a bargain at that point. You know, I mean, everybody was squawking over uh, Bryce Harper. You know, price Bryce Harper dollars. And, uh, you know, he's out there winning MVPs and, uh, and now the guys who are making, uh, the large contracts, they're getting like $35 million a year, you know? So now Bryce Harper looks like a bargain.
1: Yep. So you talked about with, in relation to like the White Sox contracts that they got million dollars here and there shouldn't be a big deal. And for the White Sox to have these ones locked in, what I was saying with, Less headaches later. Uh, it seems, at least for some, I th- I think that like yes, the White Sox have slowly made more moves and big moves, but they're not. Instead of needing to make eight of them, they don't. Ha- they can pick up four of these because they don't. They already have those guys locked in. And the talent's there, so now they have just got two to three or whatever instead of a half the roster just to, to get the guys.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, that was the, uh, that was the initial, uh, story that, that White Sox fans were peddled, you know, at least, um, is that if we lock these guys in long uh, at cheaper rates, that'll leave us financial flexibility. That, that is what the, uh, I believe was the exact quote is that they needed financial flexibility. So we are going to sign these guys, uh, early and give them a little bit more money up front, make them happy, and uh, show them that we're willing to uh, s- to pay out some money, and then we'll have money to spend on guys. And uh, you know, I mean, they've you know, I mean, technically, I guess they 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 have done that. Um, so, <laughs> I, I've I've Mentioned this uh, many times before that I am not a fan of the uh, the general uh, White Sox um, philosophy of signing uh, five, uh, eight million dollar guys to fill out the roster, and that I would rather they you know spend uh, twenty and fifteen on two guys and fill it out with uh, you know role players underneath. Um, and, uh, I guess, I guess they've done that to a point. Uh, they, they have done that. The, uh, the issue being is that they, the, uh, the holes in the lineup are still not getting patched with, uh, you know, talent from the farm yet. Or, uh, you know, last year they did end up getting some, uh, some decent production out of, uh, Hamilton and, uh. And Brian Goodwin. So, I mean, you know, I just uh, – I guess we'll see. You know, we're still sitting here with a lockout and uh, still still sitting here with uh, no uh, no deal eminent. So uh, we'll see what happens when we come out of this lockout here and see uh, whether they're going to uh, put down some coin or not. Um I guess it's all going to depend on what these uh, what these guys are asking for on the other side of this lockout and uh, what uh, Uncle Jerry's willing to uh, put out there on the payroll. So, I mean, we're already at, uh, I think the White Sox are already at uh, record payroll uh, for the franchise, uh, and I think that's even without Kimbrel, or it's close at least without Kimbrell. Um, so, I don't know. I guess we'll see. What you got going on for the rest of the week, Xavier? Anything good? Going to going to any games or anything?
1: Um nothing yet. Actually, next week I don't know if I'll be on the show. I'm going to Florida next week to catch, right. to hang out with my aunt and uncle and then maybe catch a Miami Heat game.
0: Heat. Go see your buddy
1: uh, Struss. Yep, Max Struuss. Struess. Strucel. Strews. Actually, I actually have a a friend who obviously plays on the team and then one who does, uh, scouting and video work and travels with the team. He spent last summer with the Olympic team. Now he's with the heat this season. Nice. Well, that's solid. That'd be a good time. Change of pace from this, uh, freezing cold. Yeah. I haven't been
0: to a bulls game in a few years and, uh, from what I've seen for ticket prices it ain't going to happen anytime soon either it's like 900 bucks for a ticket to the Warriors Bulls game or something a few
1: weeks back I looked in November like when they were just starting to get good and I was like oh there's a bobblehead game for Joaquin (laughs) Noah and it was there's the Knicks who the Knicks aren't great but because it's a New York team they're going to put the premium tag on it but even still I was like oh can't can't be too if it for like super high seats it was like a hundred dollars to sit in the way high nose blades. I was like, this is ridiculous. Yep. So that's the price to pay when they're good.
0: Yeah, exactly. is Now now the uh now the tickets are a commodity again and the uh the prices are going up. And uh, you know, the same thing's gonna happen at uh guaranteed rate, you know? Like uh you're not gonna be able to get those uh those cheapies that you used to be able to pop on and, and grab for like seven bucks and walk into the place. You know, it's just that like that stuff's just not available anymore, which, you know, rightly. So if I have to, you know, pay, uh, 35 bucks a ticket, 40 bucks a ticket, I don't care. Make a good team. Spend it on the team. Yeah. Spend it on the team. Get me a right fielder. Get me a second baseman. Let's go Rick. So, uh, yeah, so, uh, all right, well, I guess maybe we won't have a full boat next week because uh, Xavier will be down on his uh, on his boat down in Miami hanging out. And uh, hopefully Danny will be back next week, though, and uh, get that back up and rolling. Um, yeah, so we got some plans for coming up here uh, in the future. So um, we'll work on that and uh, get back to you on a schedule with that stuff. But, um Thanks for coming and taking a listen. Uh, White Sox Daily Live on Twitch, twitch.tv slash White Sox Daily. Uh, at Daily White Sox on Twitter. Um, at Xavier underscore Sanchez 4 on Twitter. I am at I Eskridge on Twitter. Uh, at Danny Miller WSD on Twitter. Um, yeah that's all of us uh we got uh com. you can go on and check out some stories we got some good stuff from uh dan victor who's uh, a guy who uh scouts down in uh north carolina goes to a lot of the uh, uh dash and a uh, few nights games and some uh, can a lot of cannonballers games as well um been putting up some nice quality content. He just dropped a, uh, top 50 White Sox prospect article earlier this week, um, which you can find on our Twitter. Uh, if you are not already following him, he's at SlyDano 70, I believe. And, um, yeah, thanks for, uh, coming and hanging out in the chat guys. And thanks for, uh, taking a listen to the podcast. This can be found wherever you have your pod, you know, wherever you check out your podcasts all the time. Uh, just go ahead and jump on here give us a follow Um, thanks a lot for hanging out Uh, my name is Ian Eskridge and for my co-host Xavier Sanchez you have a great night thanks